This is Women's Leadership Success, episode number 116. Let's face it, we are in a tsunami of change, especially the last two years. Things will never be the same in business, life, or in the career choices you make. Some of you may be experiencing this chaos as more difficult, holding you back. Maybe you're unsure how to navigate. But out of chaos can come great opportunities for you, if you know how to be what my special guest today calls a transformational leader. Your ability to survive and thrive in this new world of change is what number one New York Times best-selling and award-winning author Faisal Hoke and I are going to share with you today. Faisal is a futurist, serial entrepreneur, and consultant to many of the top companies and governments in the world. This deep, thought-provoking, and truly beneficial interview will show you how to think about this new changing reality and make a real impact as a transformational leader, one who focuses on people and long-term innovations and solutions. This is your key to converting chaos into success, no matter if you want to be a better leader, advance your career, or help to change the world. Be sure to listen for my special invitation for high potential executive women to help you have more impact, influence, and double your income later in the show. And at the end of the show, a special Women's Leadership Success Listener's Discount from Faisal on his new Transformational Leadership video course with 100% of the proceeds going to support Cures for Cancer. Welcome to Women's Leadership Podcast, showing you how to influence people, improve your performance, and advance your career. Brought to you by women's leadership and career expert Sabrina Brom and womensleadershipsuccess.com. Here's your chance to meet women trendsetters leading the way to success, accomplishment, and balance in business and life, no matter if you're a manager, CEO, or entrepreneur. Join Sabrina for coaching and no-nonsense advice to improve your career and bottom line. Good day. This is womensleadershipsuccess.com. I'm thrilled today to have Faisal Hoke with me. Faisal is... Um, I have to read this because there's so much. Um, he was voted top 100 most influential people in technology. He's a regular contributor to Fast Company and the Harvard Review. Faisal is an accomplished entrepreneur, noted thought leader, technology innovator, advisor to CEOs and the federal government, and a best-selling author. His book, Everything Connects, will be re-released this year by Fast Company. I had the great pleasure of interviewing Faisal on this book, July 2014. It was one of my all-time favorite books and interviews. It's uh, WLS number 59. I recommend that you listen to it again. It's called Everything Connects, A Woman's Career Guide to Personal Success. His newest Wall Street Journal bestselling book, Lift, Fostering the Leader in You Amid Revolutionary Global Change, 
explores the intersection of transformational leadership, systemic thinking, and experiential learning, all required to survive and thrive. This tsunami of changes and disruption is caused by several things, which I'll ask Faisal about in a minute. So Faisal, I'm so thrilled to have you here today. And I was going to start with a question, but you mentioned that you almost didn't write the book. And I would really like for you to share what you said about that. Thank you. Thanks for that very warm and generous introduction. so one of the, one correction, I do not write for Harvard Business Review. Oh. I do write, write for uh, Business Insider, uh, nevertheless. So the, re, the, the, you know, I mean, we all gone through all sorts of changes. Uh, you know, uh, some of the changes are together as a society because of pandemic and, and other things. Uh, you know, personally, each one of us have, I'm sure, gone through tremendous amount of changes professionally and personally. Mm-hmm. In my case, um, you know, I mean, um, um, right before, uh, right right at the beginning of pandemic, my <laughs> teenage son goes to, co- you know, started his freshman year, and then uh, his, co- you know, he comes home because of pandemic. Turns out he has uh, a rare um, blood cancer. Fortunately, there are treatment available and he's doing fine. And uh, but uh, right at that beginning of that uh, situation, which was almost now 15 months ago, um, I, I, um, I, I, I signed the contract to do the book. But I, I right after I found out, it took out the air out of me and, and I almost didn't do the book. Uh, but I ended up doing it partly because I thought this was a very important message. It's an optimistic message that is very much needed given all the things that are going on in the world. And the fact is that I kind of wrote it, uh, his generation, uh, as, a, as, a, as in my mind, because they're just coming in off age, right? So they're, they're kind of lived through this. Like my son didn't have his graduation because of pandemic. Then he goes to college campus, comes home. Uh, we're seeing massive uh, geopolitical changes, we're seeing climate changes, crazy um, misinformation driving both sides of the political realm. So a lot of these changes, and I kind of wrote it uh, uh, him as a you know as a, one of the audience, and what us as adults should be doing uh, to to help that you know that generation. But I also um, you know wanted to um, take the proceed of the book, and I, I wasn't. You know, it was not anticipated that it will do so well and became a number one Wall Street Journal bestseller. Uh, so that happened, and I, I kind of, I, you know, I, we created a whole bunch of training and educational program around it, and I've kind of uh, pledged all this uh, for cancer research. Um, so all the proceeds from the book and, and my uh, training courses goes to cancer research. Thank you for doing that. That is a, such a wonderful thing you're doing for all of us. Because there's nobody, no one on the planet that isn't touched by cancer, as well as the pandemic. It's it's such a serious problem. So, I I think it really is important for young people to understand this. And 
your book goes into such depth on all of the different challenges we're facing right now. And it connects to how important it is for us to be transformational leaders. So could you just say a little more about the uh, disruptions? And I also would love you to give a definition of that word. I remember a long time ago, I studied Gurdjieff, and Gurdjieff said, in life, you go down a path, and then something happens. You hit a shock point, and you can't keep on that path. You've got to go on a different path. Yeah. And... Is that what you mean by disruption? What yeah, I mean it's uh, it's uh, it's divergent, right? So I mean, in the sense that you you you're on a path, and it totally knocks you off your path, and you you have to rethink and reinvent and redo whatever that you have been doing. And it happens on individual level, it happens on a societal level. I mean, so so it happens in you know in organization, uh, disruption is like far far of Far for living, I guess, right? So, so, so the way I, so you know, and, and you know that I love connecting, um, kind of disjointed uh, things together, uh, like I did in Everything Connects. You know, uh, looking at mindfulness and creativity and innovation. So, mm-hmm. on on um, Lyft was driven by the uh, the you know these these separate change of events, but somehow. They connect and they have tremendous impact as a whole. So, and I, I kind of looked at it from a you know these four major change point of view. So one is obviously pandemic. We all lived through it, living through it. Um, you know, and it's it's completely changed the way we work, socialize, learn, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right. Mm-hmm. But along the way, in a similar, at the same time, you know what we have also seen. I mean, you and I are doing this Zoom call. I mean, the technological advancement that has kind of rapidly, um, um, you know, accelerated during that time out of necessity, right? So whether that's on communication, whether that's a medical field, I mean, you know, I, and I lived through this uh, personally because of my son, but also because of, you know, we, I have a, a aging mother who is in nursing home, so we have to do a lot of telehealth type of a thing um you know so so um um so technological you know and, and then the business models you know all driven by massive technological changes and you know we kind of call that fourth industrial revolution because that technological advancement it's actually convergence of a lot of different type of technology it's uh you know information technology uh manufacturing technology uh, nanotechnology, biomedical technology, it's all coming in one place to change the way, uh, you know, we live, period. Mm-hmm. Not just work. Or, so that's another thing. Um, obviously, we've lived through misinformation. Uh, you know, does pandemic exist? Doesn't it exist? Is it man-made? Is it, you know, we've seen all kind of gamut of misinformation and it's driven by vested or or ill will parties it doesn't matter which side of the belief system you're in whether you're left or right it doesn't matter uh, disinformation and misinformation completely changed the social makeup and and it created a humongous amount of distrust and 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 uh, you know um, almost that 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 uh, 
civility we had is gone, right? So, so we don't want to almost want to learn what the facts are, right? So, so that's that. And the last thing, which we are, you know, I mean, we're middle of summer, you know, I mean, flights are not going in Paris, public transportation cannot go in London. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Germany last week, um, you know, it was nice, but this week is horrendous. You know, I mean, it's like t- climate has completely changed, right? Crops are dying. Um, you know, we have water crisis. Uh, some cases in my native land, Bangladesh, it had massive flood a couple of months ago. This is crazy things, right? So it's, it's creating this massive uh, migration because people can live where they used to live. So all, so if you look at those four things, that's kind of how I looked at massive change, and they're all kind of interconnected. Mm-hmm. Um, that's drove, you know, the, the background. These are the major changes, and those are major disruption. So now what are you going to do? Are, can you do the things the way you are doing? No, you can't. I mean, it just, you can't do – it cannot be the same old, same old. Whether you are a government leader, whether you're my son's age, uh, whether you're an entrepreneur – uh, whether you're author, whatever it is, it's, you can do the same thing. Faisal, how, how, do you think people know that or notice it? <clears throat> and if, if, how would I know that this isn't going to work anymore? I need to do something totally different. Is there, what are my clues? I'm, in the book, you talk about getting three questions to get unstuck. Are those good things to ask? Yeah, you, you can ask, uh, you know, like, what is it not working? What I sh- you know, what is it that I should be doing differently? Why am I doing? I mean, there's a lot of question about why, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know, I mean, we we go on gone through these really uh, uh, in many ways, kind of like a for good or bad sort of a spiritual uh, cha- you know uh, questionnaire about why am I doing what am I doing? Why do I have to go to work? Uh, you know, why do I have to work seven days? Uh, why can't I see my parents? Uh, you know, so what? We got pandemic. I mean, these are a lot of whys, right? So, right. Uh, why am I not sending my child to school? Uh, they're getting socially disjointed. It's having psychological impact. A lot of whys, right? So, so my point is that um, if by now, uh, if you haven't uh, felt that something has completely changed, then maybe you are living under a rock because the world has changed. I mean, it's there's. You know, I mean, uh, we always talk about change, but the change, uh, you don't, you know, the kind of change we have gone through last few years, we've seen that change society as a whole, not just as an individual. So, I mean, we're feeling the heat, we're feeling the cold, we're feeling the, 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 you know, the uh, uh, flooding. I mean, these are changes that very, uh, uh, very vivid. Uh, you cannot feel this change. So if that's the case, um, you know, you have to do things differently. I mean, I mean, I know, like, I mean, I'm sure in your neighborhood, uh, um, many restaurants has closed, but then many also thrive during pandemic, right? Because some thrive because they repackage their food and they were very adapt to delivery models that just cropped up. And some just died because, People were not going and visiting physically in the restaurant and they reinvent, right? So those are very simple examples of why you need to change. Uh, It could be economic driver. It could be psychological driver, whatever. So how do you, 
how do you do that? Before we started, you said this is an optimistic book. So how do, how do we, what kind of actions can we take that are going to help us to be a transformational leader and also impact the bigger picture? Sure. But first, let me tell you why it's optimistic. Uh, so out of disruption, there's always tons of opportunities. So let's just take that example of restaurant that I gave you, right? So there are restaurants that kind of thrived middle of pandemic and they couldn't keep up with the business because there was such high demand because they reinvented and reconnected with all these uh, stay-at-home people and they all needed food. So they came up with a new way of packaging, a new way of creating food, and also the delivery model. So there is the opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, learning, you talk about learning. Uh, you know, it, I mean, I think there hasn't been a better time to learn because we had actually had a lot of extra time, but we also learned from experiential uh, uh, impact, meaning the way we shop, meaning we... Uh, you know, looking at streaming services that allows us to learn uh, from uh, docu-series, you know, all sorts of things, right? So so that's why, and reinventing ourselves. Like, for example, if it wasn't pandemic and if, it was, if I wasn't uh, doing a lot of the work at home, I don't think I could actually sit there and pull together a book within, you know, nine months. Previous books took like two years or so. So, so, so I mean, these are, that's why it's optimistic. So, now you say, okay, well, how do you change? I mean, you almost have, I, I, I go out of the way, I mean, you know me very, very but by now that I, I kind of start with, you know, um, you as a human being and how do you get in touch with yourself and then how you connect yourself with the, with the outside world. So that connection uh, comes from empathy, right? You have to be very empathetic and practice empathy on a, on a conscious level that, that shows you what is going on around the world and what is going on within your within your uh, realm, right? And and that allows you to understand how do you uh, 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 you know get opportunistic about change. So when you understand somebody um, you know going through a pain point, I'll put it in a commercial term, the restaurants that succeeded. But I'm just using that as a as an as a simple, understandable example. They were empathetic to the fact that it's an opportunity, but they were also very empathetic that, hey, I'm going to deliver the food, but then they will have to warm it up, and who warms it up, blah, blah, blah. So that's really putting yourself in somebody else's shoe, how they're going to live and work and eat and all that stuff. So that empathy is the fundamental pillar of transformational leadership, right? So because when, once you have empathy, then you can say, okay, how do I prepare myself to interact with other by being an influencer, by being a, a supporter, and by being a, 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 a enabler so that other people can succeed. As a result, I succeed, right? So, so that empathetic, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, practice, conscious practice on a daily basis, which is very difficult, by the way, because we're all, you know, I mean, you know, it's a, human beings are, are, are these was designed to self-preservation. So we, we instantly first think about what's going on with me. But once you practice that, you know, you actually succeed and you're actually able to contribute a lot faster. So, so, um, you know, and, and that, that 
that eye on the other uh, allows you to do much more than you think you can do just focusing on yourself because it gives you a different kind of a purpose. You know, going back to the book, I think I, one of the reasons I was able to do it and despite my no planning or my any kind of goals of, you know, be, you know that this has to do well commercially because, as you know, I don't, you know, I'm not the traditional author speaker that makes a living. Unfortunately, you know, I've got other things. And I mean, but it, it happened because of, I think, because of my personal circumstances and I looking at me, looking at the fact that I wanted to do something where I can generate revenue for, for giving to somebody else. I think that played a big role, how fast I was able to do it and, and whatever tra- little traction that I'm having. Uh-huh. So I, I think I totally agree. I think empathy is one of our most important things to learn. Do you, do you have a suggestion of how someone can be more empathic? Yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's a, like, for example, um, you know, you, you know, it's a, by the way, it's a conscious practice, just like mindfulness is, and there's a deep connection between mindfulness and empathy. I mean, every time you, you, you have an interaction with somebody, right? I mean, let's say you, you're, you know, I mean, it's, and we all get agitated, we lose patience and whatnot. It, it, you know, and let's say some, you know, you're, or, I mean, you know, and we've all gone through it. Like, you know, you're trying to have a work conversation and you're seeing that person is not engaged. There's some stuff going on in their lives, right? And, and then, you know, I mean, so it's easy to, easy to get frustrated with that person. I said, what's the matter with you? I mean, why haven't you done this? Blah, blah, blah. Excuse me. But it's all, it's, it's a conscious practice saying, you know, to stop yourself and look at that other person and try to understand what is going on with that person. That is a practice of empathy, right? And you can make it bigger and bigger. And then you look at it as an ecosystem, you know, you, you, so, so that restaurant, an example, that was a collective, you know, collective um, social pattern or ecosystem that was suffering from the common problem, right? So, so, but it starts with one-on-one, right? So, so, um, you know, it's a, you really have to like look at somebody else before you look at yourself, you know, I mean, that's where it kind of starts. I want to, I want to back. That's great. Makes a lot of sense. And I'm, thinking I was I was coaching another coach on how to ask questions the other day and this he was having trouble understanding why this person was having a problem and when you're saying this I'm going oh wow he wasn't he wasn't putting himself in their shoes he was busy trying to figure out what's the right question so he looks like a good coach yeah. um, but I want to back you up to mindfulness, um, what's the difference between mindfulness and meditating? And I have just, I just said to somebody the other day, you know, these people, I know these people, they meditate all the time. They are so negative. They just they open their mouth and they've got some negative thing to say. What's the difference between meditating? Oh, I'm a meditator and being mindful. So, uh, if, if, you know, by the way, you mentioned that, uh, that we're 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 releasing everything connects. Fast Company is releasing, you know, everything connects. It's actually the ebook version just came out and the 
hardcover will come out shortly. Uh-huh. Uh, same with the audio book. And I, we, uh, it's a second edition. So we expanded the original version and there's a new section, uh, you know, and one of the chapter in the name next, you know, in that section is expansion of mindfulness. Uh, oh, so, great. so, so the, the, and you know, it goes into meditation versus mindfulness. I mean, you know, the real definition of mindfulness is being one with whatever you're doing. So, uh, so if you actually look at history of mind, you know, the meditation, it comes from a lot of Eastern philosophy and the, you know, Zen Buddhist and, and whatnot. And if you study them, one of the things they do is cleaning and cooking, right? And, and that is a form of meditation because the idea is that when you're cooking, you're cooking. When you're sweeping, you're sweeping. There's no other thoughts should come in your head. So, so, uh, and that is also, by the way, a conscious practice. So right now, when you and I are talking, in my mind, at least I try. It's not always easy, just like meditation. Mm-hmm. All I want to think about is this conversation. Nothing else matters. The fact that there's a thunderstorm, literally a thunderstorm, <laughs> happening outside of my window. <laughs> or, or let's say what I have to do later in the day. Those, con- those thoughts should not come in my mind. And I have to be one with this conversation. That's what mindfulness is really about. It's giving uh, utmost importance uh, to that particular moment is what mindfulness is. Uh-huh. You cannot practice uh, empathy, conscious empathy, if you are not mindful of the person that is in front of you, right? So, so, so um, you know, so shutting your mind from all other things aside from present is what mindfulness is about. So that's, that's beautiful. Uh, I remember talking to this woman was super angry at her boss and she had to go have a conversation with him. And she's saying, well, what can I talk about? I'm so angry. And I said, well, what if you're just intensely curious about him and the conversation, which is another way of saying yes. or be present. Yeah. 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 And look, I mean, the runners or joggers will tell you that they, when they jog, they forget about everything else. The musicians will tell you that when they play music, you forget about everything. They forget about everything else. Or when you're listening to music, you forget about something, you know, that you forget about everything else. Or when you read, you forget about everything and you're just focusing on the book. Those are all example of being mindful, Right. And those are all also example of uh, meditation. So, for example, I, I love to cook. So that's my form of uh, meditation and mindfulness, even though I do meditate, uh, you know, uh, whenever I can, uh, early in the morning, you know, literally sitting outside, uh, you know. But, but, so, so, but it's not about meditation. It's about, you know, being consciously present at the moment and, and, you can't possibly be empathetic if you're not present at the moment. Mm-hmm. And it really extends one's life. For and sure. um, there's no way to be a transformational leader unless you're mindful and you have empathy. For sure. I mean, how do you connect with people if you're not mindful and <laughs> empathetic? I mean, you know, uh, I mean, you know, so, 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 I mean, there's more to our, more to transformational aside from being mindful and and empathetic but those are the first ingredient that allows you you're in touch but how do you be in touch well if you're not in touch you can't you know you can't change anything right so you have to be right 
it's like building blocks. There's no way to get to the other building blocks until you do that. And I want to hear more about the transformational leader, but I wonder if you could, um, you said there was five questions that you can ask for empathy. Do you, this, this is a test. Can you remember what they are? <laughs> I don't actually remember what I wrote. Um, because, you know, by the way, that, that piece of five question, um, it, it, I wrote that many years ago, uh, okay. not about the book. I, several, I think four or five years ago, I wrote an article because I was struggling with the same thing where I would look at some of my managers and they would not just connect with, with the people they're trying to lead and manage. And it came from there, right? So, uh-huh. so I wrote that. But, you know, essentially, the questions are related to it is why and what and, and how, right? So it's, it's like you're really asking, why are you doing what you're doing? So you have to actually first ask that yourself. So, for example, if I'm asking somebody, hey, listen, we're going to do a reorg as an example, right? So first you have to explain to yourself, why do you want to reorg? Is it because efficiency? Is something broken? Is, is, is something not working? Whatever it is. And then once you have those answers, then you say, okay, well, I, I need to restructure these people this way because of this reasoning. But also they have this particular expertise or they have this and that. And, and by the way, the world has changed, you know, all that other stuff. So you got to start with what is the reasoning? You know, what, what do you want to do something? You know, what's your purpose, right? So that's first. Second is, okay, so you got the why and then you're saying, okay, so what will be the impact? If you did this, what what is the outcome that you want to achieve from that? Is it is it that you're trying to um, you know change the world? Is it that you're trying to grow revenue? Is it because that you want your employees to be happy? You want to make money for more, more for your investor? Whatever it is, what would be the impact of that? Why? And then you have to figure. Then you have to say, okay, how do you do that? How do you do that? Right? So many how do you make the why to what? What is the methods to making it happen, right? So you need the mechanism. So, so you know, so when you're intently, uh, you know, uh, trying to be transformational, uh, you, your empathy comes from that why, but then rest of it, it goes from, uh, you know, one of the other two things I talked about in the book is the, the systemic thinking and systemic execution, which is the how, and then, you know the the uh, experiential learning, uh, which is really about about uh, how do we learn on a constant basis? Because adaptation doesn't come without learning, right? So uh, we know we have to change because we were forced to learn. That world had changed, right? So so that that is experiential learning. You could read about you know twenty books. It's not going to resonate till you feel that 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 experience, right? So so. Um, I, you and I can talk about leadership all day long, but if we don't practice it in our own life, then we're just talking about it, right? So, so uh, you have to learn from doing it and, and whatnot. And systemic thinking, by the way, if you want to scale anything, for example, mm-hmm. you can't do that without, uh, without having a, a system in place. So for what I mean by that, uh, let's say you want to write a book as an example, right? You, you kind of have to, uh, you kind of have to, um, you know, um, figure out, uh, you have to have a system in place, how you're going to gather your information and how you're going to form a, 
formulate that in a, in an understandable manner. Then you have to figure out, you know, when do you, how are you going to float it into chapter? So that's just writing process. Then you have to figure out, okay, how do I get it out to the world? You know, how, how does that become a repeatable process? How does people find me? How, you know, how does people, once they find you, what do they do with it? Right. So these are all like systemic thinking that has to happen if you really want to have any kind of change in place that are repeatable, right? One-time change is not transformational change because transformation is about a journey. It's not like you go from one point A to point B and you're done because just when you say you're done, something else will happen, right? So so you have to have a system in place that allows you to do that constant, um, you know, constant repeatable process of changing. Let me ask you a very personal, real question. Your willingness to address this question and your answer could mean the difference between doubling or more your income in the next year. Do you consider yourself a high-potential female executive who seeks more recognition, income, and influence? Someone who aspires to the C-suite or higher? Or maybe you seek a whole new opportunity, either internally or externally with a new company? but somehow you feel stuck, or maybe you're not recognized for your hard work and are getting passed over for promotion, or you just need a new strategy to help you advance your potential and your income. The demand for high potential female executives that earn top salaries and profit sharing opportunities has never been higher. But if you don't know how to stand out from the crowd, attract your champions, navigate organizational politics, or lack confidence to ask for what you want, you may be left behind or miss out on some great opportunities. If you can relate to any of these core executive development questions or challenges that may be holding you back, I've got some good news for you. For many years I've been an executive coach and management consultant. One of the most rewarding aspects for me as a champion of women's leadership is helping women like you have more influence, impact, and income in business and life. I've had phenomenal success helping women advance their careers and radically increase their income, especially in STEM and tech, when previously they had been stuck or sidelined. That is why I'm inviting you to apply for my executive coaching package for high potential women to help you stand out from the crowd, turbocharge your career, and radically increase your income. Warning, this turbocharge your career is not for everyone. It's not an overnight transformation. But if you are a focused, high potential woman leader willing to invest in yourself and follow my proven strategies, to advance your leadership and career, you'll be amazed at what we can accomplish together. I invite you to book a free discovery coaching session with me right away because I can only take a limited number of people a year for this special package. So I invite you to reach out to me via my contact page on womensleadershipsuccess.com so we can connect and see if we're a good match. Thanks for listening, and now back to the show. 
you also mentioned design thinking. Tell me how yeah. that fits in. Yeah, so design thinking is, is, is I, I, I actually, even though I didn't use the word design, we just went through that process. It's the same thing. Same thing in the sense that, okay, well, uh, I, I want to write a book. Okay, who is it for? How are they going to use it? What are they going to learn from it? How am I going to portray my content? Yeah. So those are like the abstract design. Physical design would be, okay, what, is the, what does it look like? Is it friendly enough? Uh, can people access it, right? So those are all part and parcel of design thinking. By the way, one of the very big principles of, of design thinking is empathy because you cannot think from that point of view uh, unless you think about your audience is being empathetic to the audience in order to design something that has value, right? So, so the design thinking comes from, uh, you know, I mean, very basic principle of design thinking is actually empathy, but is designing for somebody else, not for yourself, and then making it accessible so that it becomes a, a, of something of a value. Book, audio, tape, uh, a course, you know, a software, which is my primary business, uh, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's all the same. What I'm, what I'm finding with a lot of leaders is there, there are not really good uh, courses or training programs. Certainly, you, you could go to the Center for Creative Leadership or Harvard or Yale or Cornell and take a course. But for the majority of people, they don't really have access to really good mentors and teachers, which is one of the reasons I have this program because I want people to learn. Um, they could take your book and use that as a way to learn. And also you said there's a course. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, so I, I developed this five-part course. Uh, it's, a doc, it's, it's designed as a documentary style, docu-series type of a course. Uh, and there is obviously exercises and reference material, um, et cetera, et cetera. But I, you know, I, I apply design thinking in that because, you know, one of the things you meant, you know, uh, the reason there are not too many good courses or you don't get value out of it is because, you know, you have to make the learning process experiential, right? I mean, the, the many ways, the way the courses has been uh, delivered now is still very old style. Um, can you, um, you know, in the sense that it's very academic, it's you take it so that you can pass a course, you know, uh, a, you take a test and you pass a course, yeah. you get a certificate, et cetera, et cetera. Those days are over, right? So, I mean, you, you have to learn, you want to learn because you want to learn, not because you have to, you want to get a certificate or a grade or whatever, right? So, mm -hmm. so, I mean, you know, I mean, if you look at the new generation, you know, I look at my son's uh, generation. They're learning more from YouTube videos and they're learning from, uh, you know, playing something or, or going and, and, and picking up some, you know, some devices or they're going at a, um, a restaurant, you know, like most of us think about mo people who are, you know, a little older, they had a, they had a very hard time just scanning the QRP code to pull up the menu, right? And I compare that to my, you know, the younger generation, the 19 years old had no problem with it. But that's the experiential learning. But guess what? We too got 
used to, oh, or you, you take your phone and you scan the QR code and that's how you get the menu, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a behavioral change. So the, the leadership training and the courses or the practices also has to be very experiential. We, people love to hear stories. You don't remember the method, but you remember the stories. So one of the things I tried to do, and it was a kind of an experiment, uh, because, you know, I'm a product developer. I like to do experimentation. If you look at those courses that I just talked about around Lyft, it is like a mo- watching movie. And it's like it, it talks about, you know, this is how the world has changed. Here's a tsunami. So there's a narrator and there's videos and real footage and whatnot. Uh, and, and it's not like, okay, somebody saying, okay, you go through these five slides and then you you test your, uh, you know, your your skill by taking this short test, and then you go to the next one. No, I mean, those days are over. You don't learn from that. You remember movies, right? So, I mean, and you remember experiences. You remember stories. So the storytelling and experiential uh, learning process and, 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 and the emotion that gets evoked from seeing something and listening something and talking to other people are the next generation learning process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want to be a... Uh, you know, mentor or, or a coach or whatever, which I'm not, you know, they, they, they have to, uh, and they have to teach from their own experience. They can't just, uh, or, or produce material uh, that are from, from uh, actual doing it and, and connecting with them by, by, you know, those kind of a, a real, uh, real scenario. Right. So, so, um, you know, I mean, I don't write anything from, I mean, I do a lot of research because I want to back up my, my, you know, my, whatever I'm saying, but most of my stuff comes from me being in the field and doing and sometimes succeeding and many times failing and then try to try to get, make it better uh, point of view and being very observant of what other people does or doesn't do. Yeah. <clears throat> and I, I agree with what you're saying. And I think also um, as you're reading or watching the videos that you've done or reading your book, it's also noticing what level, mindfully noticing what level you're at in your leadership and then being empathic. uh, Okay. I made a mistake. What do I need to do to correct that or get rid of that behavior? Or that's great. And now what do I want to do next? In a way, we have to we have to become our own coach and guide through a lot of this in order to really move to the top levels. Yeah, I mean, like, look, there's nothing, there's no substitute for doing. You have to do what you're preaching, right? I mean, so so you can't, you can't, you know, it's like, uh, listen, we have to work hard, but I'm punching out at three o'clock. Uh, that that's not a very good reflection of leader or. Or we have to cut costs, but I'm happy to take a private jet. That that's not a very good reflection of leadership, right? So often our leaders uh, of all level, you know, uh, and I've kind of seen all gamuts by now. Uh, mm-hmm. They do, they say one thing, do completely differently, different things. That's not a good motiv- motivator, right? So if you want to be influencer, I mean, the command control is over. I mean, you know, people have a lot more. Opportunities now. I mean, you, you, you. I'm sure you have heard this great, uh, you know, um, dissatisfaction and not wanting to work at all, and 
and a resignation and whatnot, a great resignation, a lot of conversation about great resignation, but we're headed towards recession. So that may change, but people in general have a lot more options. So you really, as a leader, your job is as a, we talk about transformational leader and influential leader. It, you really have to be an influencer and an inspirational in chief versus uh, the command control. And you have to practice what you preach. You, you have to be, you have to walk the talk. You cannot not do that and be, be transformational of any kind. I, I totally agree. I'm going to back up in your, in your book. You were, you say we should all be futurists. Yeah. Um, well, one of the things I admired in your book was the great ways you put together lots of different information and came up with some different ways of thinking about things that I had never thought of. Um, it took me some, sometimes I sat there for an hour just pondering some idea you'd put forth and trying to decide how that, where that fit into my reality. So it was, it was, for me, it was fun, but how do I become a futurist? Well, I mean, you know, so, so I give you uh, my own example and, and then, then, you know, because for each is, is different because we're all, uh, each, each one of us are just like our unique DNAs. We have unique journeys, right? You can't replicate somebody else's journey, but you can uh, adopt the philosophy and you can adopt uh, the, the techniques. You know, I mean, I mean, as a cook, I say this all the time, it's, you know, it's a, it's a philosophy. It's not a recipe. It's the technique. It's not, not, not knowing you put two spoons of that and three spoons of this, right? So, right. so I look at life from that point of view, and 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 so, uh, I mean, you, you were just talking about developing that coursework, and and I, you know, I mean, people will tell, uh, you know, people will judge whether I've been successful creating. Uh, innovative way of delivering content or not. But the way I looked at it, I looked at it, uh, who's my future? Well, my children are my future. So how are they learning, right? So, so when, you know, so those are the questions. So I said, okay, well, if I wanted to teach whatever I'm learning to my son, if I give that book, he's not going to read more than three pages. I know that for a fact. Uh-huh. But if I create a, a docu-style engaging uh, uh, video-driven uh, learning uh, uh, vehicle, he will do that because I see him doing that all day long, right? So, so, so there is my futurist in me looking at at that generation and say, okay, well, if that is the generation I'm trying to attract, that 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 I have to change the way I'm thinking of how am I producing content, as an example, right? So, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a that kind of a thing, but you know, um, in order to be a futurist, you you also have to develop basic techniques that you cannot substitute, which are very fundamental. Like, for example, the you know, I mean, it's uh, uh, you know, I mean, it's like uh, whether you're um, you know, whether you're a writer, a musician, um, chef. Uh, concert pianist, everybody will tell you is the ritualistic practice that gives you the techniques and then you can improvise. If you don't have those techniques, you can't improvise. Being futurist is about 
looking at what's going on on the planet and then improvising your skill set for that changed world. But if you don't have that basic skills, your core competency, how are you going to do that? But I, I'm not, I was able to deliver my content uh, because not because I'm a content delivery expert, because I know my domain, but I'm just using a different medium to deliver that content in a different way. And I tapped into other people who are expert in, in uh, packaging content, uh, not necessarily in the similar domain and not necessarily in similar field, but so I, you know, this this call, you know, asking for help and collaborating with people where you don't have the skill also allows you to bring you those different perspectives, right? So there's a combination of, um, you know, uh, you know, and I, I mean, you, if you remember, we talked about last time being, uh, uh, you know, uh, being being uh, consciously omnivorous, right? So meaning you you have to eat a lot of food if you wanted to develop your own set of uh, dishes or, you know, and, and what that means is that if you haven't tasted different flavor, how can you create your own flavor? Right. Yeah. So, so being futurist means, you know, to be a futurist, you have to experience a whole lot of things, you know, and we, you know, going back to Da Vinci, um, I wrote that article right after everything connects because I, I, you know, I was, I was thinking about, you know, because we used Da Vinci as a, as a, in the backdrop and, you know, that his ability to connect the nature and how Bart flies. And therefore we should come up with a flying machine that has wings like the Bart flies. And I'm going to study the pattern of the, of the, of the flight of a Bart. Those are very, you know, very different things. And then connecting those dots to create something different. Well, if you want to have vision of the future, you kind of have to study all the things that are going around you and ask those questions, and then you can create the future and be a futurist. Wow. I have never in my whole life heard anybody explain that, and it makes so much sense. Thank uh, you. And, and I actually have kind of a little tiny example of that. I, have, I used to want to take classes in flower arranging. And, oh, if I could just arrange flowers. Well, I live on an acre, an acre of land. I have right now there's 40 dahlia bushes that are blooming, loads of roses. I have literally thousands of flowers. And the reality is, is if you go out every day and you pick flowers and you put them in a vase, at some point you get pretty damn good at it. Yeah, so it, sure, it's ritualistic practice. Yeah, just the practice. All of a sudden it's like, whoa. That looks pretty good, you know, but it's just doing it over and over again. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, I'm sure sure you know Jack Pepin. I mean, he says all the, all the time, just cook. Don't look at the recipe book, just cook, just keep cooking, and you'll find your own rhythm. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, or, or, you know, Chef Marimo says the same thing. So just yeah. cook, you know, because it's, it's uh, you know, that's, you know, and then, you know, I mean, uh, uh, if you remember, uh, Ernest Hemingway, uh, he, he used to say all the time that writing is one of his biggest challenge. The only way he can do it is because he would sit every day, three, four hours, and just write. It doesn't matter what comes out of his mind. He would just write, right? So that is the ritualistic practice. Right. And so many people want to skip that part. 
You can't go at it if you don't practice. You can't do it. You know, I I was just talking to a man who's a he's a head of a company. And he wants to be a coach, and he's telling me, "Oh, I had this problem in my coaching. I was coaching, so I had a problem." I said, "That's because you're not very skilled at it." And he's he's so confident he could hear that without feeling bad about himself. You know, it's, it takes practice. You got to keep doing it. Oh, this has been so wonderful. Is there, we're just about done. Is there any, um, can you give the people listening, especially the women, some action they can go take that will help, help us to change the world and make it a better place? <laughs> That's mine. Look, I mean, I, I will, uh, I'll give, um, uh, this is not a woman or man thing. Uh, okay. One of the, I'll, I'll try to give two. Uh, first thing is that philosophically know that, uh, you know, uh, life is not fair and we always have challenges. And it's, um, um, you know, uh, you just have to go through the journey and, and be optimistic. And uh, not all will work out exactly the way you thought, but it can be very interesting. You know, and that is the thrill of it, right? So you have to be able to think that way and and plow through it. And so, so, and why that matters is because you can't lift anyone if you don't know how to lift yourself, right? So one of the key messages of the entire book is that lift yourself to lift others, right? So that's, so if you're a man and woman, Young, old, you know, live here, live there. It doesn't matter. That applies anywhere, right? So that's one point. Second point is that this, 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 uh, this notion of a transformational. You know, I mean, you don't have to change the world to be transformational. You know, you you can do like one little thing, and you can be transformational. Right? So, for example, um, you know. Um, we have all these organizations, you know, this is one of my other favorite charity aside from recent, uh, not recent, I've always been into the, the cancer research, but it just hit home now more than ever. But, you know, another one is, is food related. And you see that uh, Chef Jose Andres is uh, World Kitchen. And look at like UN cannot do it. Government cannot do it. He has managed to do this, right? So that's a great uh, study of leadership because the way he has done it is that it's very fundamental, empathetical need that everybody's hungry. We have to feed them. That's number one. But we have to put a system where no matter where, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, any kind of crisis happens, I got to be able to mobilize the local people so that they can go and help the people, local people, local crisis local help, right? And, and, and I have to be able to learn repeatedly and improve upon that process. That's one of my other charity, right? So if you look at that, that is a great example of what I just talked about in terms of empathetic, uh, you know, leadership combined with systemic execution and experiential learning, plowing back to the whole system so that they can improve it and make monumental impact. But each of those people that are serving locally, they have, be, they are transforming 
that particular moment and time, and that is enough, right? So you don't have to go and change the world. The goal of transformation leadership doesn't have to be changing the world, just changing yourself and your surroundings. And then if we all did that, then we'll be a better place. Oh, that's beautiful. What a wonderful place to end. Thank you so much for coming on the show and talking to us today. My pleasure. It's my honor. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Hey, keep listening. If you like this show and want to learn more on how to be a transformational leader, I have a special offer for you in just another minute. Thanks for following me on LinkedIn for more leadership tips. And I really appreciate you sharing, liking, and giving me a review in iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. Remember, if you consider yourself a current or future high-potential female executive that wants to have influence, impact, and radically increase your income, I invite you to reach out to me on my contact page, womensleadershipsuccess.com, so we can connect. I sincerely hope my discussion with Faisal on how to be a transformational female leader in times of enormous change and disruption has gotten you thinking. It certainly has changed my thinking. I was very touched when Faisal shared his commitment to donate all the proceeds from his new five-part online class based on his book, To Cancer Research. I've started this course, and it looks really good. And to thank you for being one of my loyal listeners, Faisal is offering us a gift of 50% off your order. This is $149 savings. To sign up for Faisal's class, just go to www.womensleadershipsuccess.com forward slash lift. This URL will redirect you to his course information page, class overview videos, and the link to start the class. Use the coupon code WLS at checkout to save 50%. And for your information, I don't make anything from your purchase, just the good feeling knowing that you are supporting cancer cures, saving money, and getting support and information from a great thought leader and mentor like Faisal. Lastly, be sure to check out my Action for Traction for this episode in the show notes at womensleadershipsuccess.com. You will get three quick and easy tips based on this interview to help you truly be a transformational leader. Bye for now. See you soon. Thank you for joining your host, Sabrina Brahm, on another Women's Leadership Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email her at sabrina at sabrinabrahm.com. Since 1989, Sabrina and her team have helped hundreds of women managers, business leaders, and entrepreneurs with valuable trainings, articles, books, and executive coaching. For additional tips, interviews, and free access to Great Leaders Today mini-course, visit www.womensleadershipsuccess.com.